making moves on the street, have no attachments, allow nothing to be in your life that you cannot walk out on in 30 seconds flat if you spot the heat around the corner. In the city of Los Angeles. Recognize the MO? MO is that they're good. If you think these guys are scoring once and passing through, I doubt it. A relentless police detective is on the trail. What do we got? Of a master thief. You're fugitive number one with a bullet. It's double the risk here. You're wrong. It's four times the risk, and I'm double the worst trouble you ever had. Clear! And his reckless partner. The bank is worth the risk. We should take it down. I want full surveillance. 24 hours, round the clock, we never close. Hey, everybody, it's the Cannon Cruisers. I'm JD. And I'm Randy. And this week, we're checking out a movie that is kind of against the grain here at the Cannon Cruisers with another exciting edition of the non-canonical adventures of JD and Randy. That's right. Today, we took a look at a movie from 1995 called Heat. Directed and written by Michael Mann and starring... An ensemble cast. Oh, it's a long cast. We'll get to that in a second. But we might as well say the reason we picked this movie is for a multitude of reasons. For one, we wanted to end our summer uh, selection on a high note. On another note, uh, Randy's never seen the movie before and he wanted to see it. And another one, I'd actually seen this one before in the summer. So I figured let's end a summer movie with a summer movie called Heat. So yeah, after delaying <laughs> for two weeks because of a heat wave. So it's a big menagerie of reasons. Nonetheless, we decided to choose this one, and I'm happy to say we have a lot to talk about. So, Randy, what do you want to start with? Well, first, let's give you some information. So, you remember seeing this in the summer. You definitely didn't see it in the summer it came out. No. Because it was this movie was released by Warner Brothers mm -hmm. in the United States on December 15th, 1995. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't see this one until the summer when it came so out. So, technically, going by the rules as we know them... Mm -hmm. Just outside of Oscar bait releases. Yeah, considering it wasn't actually nominated for anything. And this movie was incredibly successful mm. and incredibly um, critically acclaimed. And mm. uh, also incredibly influential upon the genre that it's in. If you were around at the time, you probably remember one of the big uh, advertising aspects of this movie was the fact that it had both Robert De Niro and Al Pacino in lead roles the first time ever in a movie. A cop and a criminal. Yep, that was the big selling point at the time this came out. And I'm I wonder if that might have overshadowed a little bit of it. People might think it's a gimmick, but not really when you watch the movie. No, no, no. Latter day Pacino and De Niro films where they have them team up as a cop and a criminal that are gimmicky. A, that would be a gimmick. This, this just was a good movie. Yeah. Um other big name people that you might under understand. Remember, yeah. is uh, the now passe Tom Sizemore. Oh, yeah. Poor man, poor man. Diane Venora. Mm -hmm. Amy Brenneman. Yeah. Ashley Judd. Mm -hmm. And in two scenes before he dies, McKelty Williamson. Mm -hmm. Wes Duty, who I got confused with uh, Lou Diamond Phillips. <laughs> John Voight. And Val Kilmer who shot this film at the exact same time as he was shooting Batman Forever and had revealed to his cast mem castmates that he was not going to do the follow-up to Batman because he didn't want to wear a mask. Well, he was wearing a mask in the movie as a criminal, <laughs> heisting joints. It was a smart who they left out on here, though, 
mm-hmm. is Thomas Gage playing. He left out a lot of people. West Grow. There's a lot of people. Weed Grow? There's a lot of people in this movie. Wayne Grow. Wayne Grow. That's it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people in this movie. Like, if you look at the cast. Natalie Portman? Natalie Portman's in the movie. Danny Trejo's in the movie. There's a as, a, lo- as the man named Trejo. There's a lot of people in this movie. Their Tone Locke was even in the movie we just talked about in uh, Surf Ninjas is in the movie. It's a lot of people. And uh, that guy from Entourage and Cupid, Jeremy Piven. That's what it's all. Like I said, you could do it. Anybody who was basically around at that time in 1995. A very recognizable, angry-looking Henry Rollins is in this movie as well. He's in there too, yes. How about Hank Azaria? Hank or Tom Azaria. Noonan? Yeah, it's, I guess it's, it's amazing. Yeah, do you, do, do you know that William Fitchner? You must know <laughs> William Fitchner. It's, it's one of those, hey, I know that guy. Yeah. Right at this point, you might as well just go through the cast list say, this guy was in this, was in this, and this, and this, because that's pretty much the movie. So, yeah. Might as well say what the movie actually is. It's a crime film, which is technically a heist movie, technically a police drama, and technically both at the same time, and technically is two different movies at the same time that intersect. But it's more or less just a drama film to end all drama films. It's a drama too. It's a lot of different things at once. Uh, Like I said, it might have gotten overshadowed at the time just because of the gimmick, but the actual movie, it's a lot more than that. I mean, you got to look at the poster, JD, how they they yeah. actually, like, put it together. You have El Pacino, yeah. Robert De Niro, and Val Kilmer. Yeah. Cause... And at least they did the thing that I like, which is put the actor's name over the right face. Yeah, that's also the VHS cover at the time. Anybody remember the VHS was one of those double VHSs that was getting popular? That's so once again, be. I think I've already said this, mm-hmm. this movie was nearly three hours. Yep. Also, Ted Levine was in this movie. Yeah. I forgot to mention Ted Levine. You just keep mentioning people. But yeah. Also, if you notice, the actual cover for the, the newer version is the skyline with the actual city heat. Because that's the theme of the movie, which is all over the place. Including the beginning and the very end. Which I mentioned Tom to Noonan, right? Yes, you did. Okay. You mentioned a lot of people already. <laughs> so yeah, the movie is about is about that. Half of the movie is about... Al Pacino's, who's the cop with the crime unit, and the other half is Robert De Niro, who is the heist. Oh, you were going to say something? I was about to say, you're getting the names wrong, and I'm like, wait, no. no. Uh, th- okay, that's right. No, I wouldn't say it that way. <laughs> um, and when you look at the way the movie's structured, when you find out that Michael Mann had originally pitched this to be a television series, mm-hmm. a lot more things make sense. To the point where... This was actually prior to this. Mm-hmm. Had a made-for-TV movie that he didn't really like that much of, called mm-hmm. "L.A. Takedown." Yeah, uh, this was um, this was a th- this was a project he has been planning for a very, very, very long time since the eighties. I think even before nineteen seventy-nine, because he based it thief. He based it on the true story of Neil McCauley, a calculating criminal and ex Alcatraz inmate who was tracked down by Detective Chuck Adamson in nineteen sixty-four. Yeah, uh, he went through a lot of different uh, research for this role, and he went through a lot of different um, history. He did a whole lot of work before this one was even being made. Um, it took him, yeah, it was ninety five when it was when it came out, so late seventies, at least sixteen years, at least sixteen years to do this movie. And this movie was not shot on a soundstage; it was all done on location. Yeah, and you could tell. You could really tell the way he uses uh, everything he had available to him in 1995. Uh, this was clearly something he believed in quite a lot because every single shot, every single line, every single angle, every single action sequence 
has like multiple purposes for it being the way it is. Um, especially certain pans that you go. Remember when uh, Val Kilmer comes back at the end and it pans from her to the cop watching her to him coming in and then to the car to him coming out and seeing her all in one shot. It's very, very meticulous stuff. This is very much a Michael Mann film and I've only seen one other Michael Mann film. Uh, yes, he saw Collateral. I saw Collateral. But yeah, this one... This one is probably... I don't know if it's his best known movie, but it's probably the movie he's going to be known for if anybody thinks of him in the future because this is where all of his stuff came together in one movie. You've seen elements of everything he's done before this and after this. I mean, I'm sure you saw elements of Collateral in this one. Um, there's elements of his older work in this too, like uh, Thief, which is another one. He has a very small filmography, so let me just yeah. I'll list his directed features. Mm-hmm. He in eighty one he did Thief, eighty three he did The Keep, eighty six he did Manhunter with mm-hmm. Dor Dolorentis Entertainment Group, a group that you might recognize. The original Silence of the Lambs. Nineteen ninety two, The Last of the Mohicans. Mm-hmm. Ninety five he did Heat. Yep. Ninety nine he did The Insider. Mm-hmm. Two thousand one he did Ali. Mm-hmm. 2004 Collateral, 2006 Miami Vice, 2009 Public Enemies, and 2015 Black Hat. Yeah, he doesn't, doesn't have that many of them, but usually when they come out, they get attention. And it's probably mostly due to this movie, to be quite honest. Because this movie was kind of ignored, I don't want to say critically because it did really well, or commercially because it wasn't. But it was kind of ignored by certain groups, I guess, in Hollywood. Because it got completely ignored come awards season. And for reasons I still don't quite know. But his follow-up movie, on the other hand, got all the award nominations. So, <laughs> yeah. And with all that said, there is a caveat to Michael Mann that we always have to point out. <laughs> that has to be pointed out that he's tainted by this. He supports um, Polanski. Uh, yeah. He's one of he's one of those people. He's a he's a Polanski supporter that the art supersedes his raping of a thirteen year old girl. Yeah, there's a lot of that in Hollywood, unfortunately. But also, thankfully, it doesn't really have much to do with this particular. Not movie. this one. I mean, come on, Natalie Portman was in this movie, and he did not sexualize her in the slightest. No, it did, it's not the. Well, I don't want to get into another movie. <laughs> Luc Besson's Leon the Professional. That's getting really off track with what we're talking about here, but. Yeah, this is, like I said, it's a crime movie, it's a drama, it's a, it's a heist movie, it's a cop movie, it's a whole bunch of things in one. Uh, it's really a story about two different people who are on a very similar track in life on different roads, and by the end of it... But they're very similar. Yeah, they're very similar to each other, but by the end of the movie, the, yeah, the end of the film, you find out just who was in the right and who was in the wrong at the end of it. Which isn't really anybody. Neither were in the right and neither were in the wrong. Yeah. There's a whole thing, like, near the end, where he was dealing with his, um, his okay. abused stepdaughter. Yeah. What I was going to say, though, mm. is that at the end, spoilers, one dies. Yeah. And did you notice who is the one that died? Mm-hmm. The one that broke their code. Yep, because there was a very important scene where they were driving and the lighting... And everything like that just showed they're free, they're they can go, and then he turns off. De Niro's character the has a code that mm-hmm. you do not keep anything with you that you can't drop in thirty seconds. Mm-hmm. And he wanted revenge for a betrayal, and he couldn't let. And it go. And he couldn't let it go. Like it, it was something that he couldn't let go, and ultimately that led to his downfall. Because he could have let it go, there was no reason to do it 
because the guy was going to jail. He had nothing else. Um, he was he was finished. All the other guys are gone. There's no reason to do it except that he has to do it. But because he snitched, a couple of his buddies got killed, and uh, yeah. he couldn't let that go. Yeah, he and he ended up breaking his code, and he lost everything at the end. And then only and and then he took his code up again, and uh, that's when he and died. Still, and still died. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I said, um, one of the things I said about the movie is how it goes back and forth, showing them how similar and different they are, how they can, how they mix, and when they actually meet, which is obviously built up as being the first time De Niro and Pacino are on the screen together acting. Even though they were both in the Godfather films, they yeah. just were never in the same scene. But in this particular case, the scenes they're actually interacting are the most important scenes in the movie because it brings them together and it shows. How when the rest of the movie, they're antagonists to each other, not actually dealing with each other, but you know they're antagonists because of what one wants, what the other one wants. But in this one, when they actually do get together, their goals are actually very similar to each other. Yeah. They're, they actually have a lot in common. But at the end of the day, they each have their codes that they have to live by. And one of them does to the end of the movie. The other one doesn't, and he suffers for it. And the end of the movie pretty much says right at the end when they're both stairs, they're both there. One is standing in the city lights, the heat. One is not. And that's it. This is the whole movie is the, is about the back and forth between them, the relationship between them. But aside from them too, is every other character more or less has some sort of a, a little plot of their own. That's either delivered through dialogue, through action or, mentioned a bit uh with the rest of the story it's like i said there's a lot of little plot lines that going on that you watch this and go okay i see that this had its this was meant to be a serialized thing you can see that it was supposed to be a series that you can he put all the stuff that he wanted which is a testament to his skill as a director because it's unless you know that it's just like oh wow this doesn't feel like a three movie it doesn't actually as we had to pause it at one point and i didn't realize we were 50 minutes in yeah, I was literally forced to pause it. And I didn't even realize it because it was just the movie. It's an action movie in the sense that there's always an action. There's always things moving. There's no... We've watched movies that felt a lot longer than they are because nothing happens. And you're waiting for desperately for anything to happen. In this movie, every single scene, at least three different things are happening at once. And they're always interesting things. It's as I told JD before we were watching the movie. I had watched something last week that's uh, over two hours long. Uh and i enjoyed it like really enjoyed it thought it was a decent movie at least like a three four star movie mm-hmm. but i was looking at my watch every 15 20 minutes going how much more is left of this it's like oh okay this movie's still going okay yikes yeah uh but but this one here it's even the slow quiet moments there's always something there's something going on that's so it. for a three-hour movie, <laughs> that's general impressions, and I'm gonna go right into my highlight of the film, okay. which isn't what you're gonna think I was gonna say here. I don't even know what you're gonna it's say. To be the quite highlight honest. of the movie for me is the quiet moments. It's like people have talked the action scenes to death. Oh, they're brilliant. But for me, the highlight is just the literally the quiet moments. Uh, De Niro and uh, the, the woman sound. he just met, just just staring out ab- uh, above the city skyline and just having a quiet conversation about who they are, or just drinking it in. The sound work in this um, movie is incredible. A helicopter shot where everything looks like a diorama, and it's just like just natural sounds and a, and a slight Brian Eno soundtrack going on, ambient mm. sounds going on in the background. Yeah. 
the final sequence uh, of the cat and mouse game going on where it's no dialogue it's just the sounds of the airport and them moving through that's awesome. the, the, the the wood like the, the wooded yeah. area through the grass and that just that quietness and in the most famous scene of the movie the shootout there's no music either so you're just hearing the echoes of the gunshots in different angles all over the place and the screaming of the crowd as well as their footsteps as they move through there are no one liners there it's just simply it's just it's just he know he uses sound in this movie incredibly incredibly well and as, like i said another thing i mentioned too when we were watching it is the way he uses lighting as well the city lights again is is a pretty big thing he's mentioned several times including part of uh de niro's whole thing with heat heat and light it's, yeah it's, it's like if it's like the moment he feel he feels the heat's coming he has to be ready to drop everything and go mm-hmm. and if you time everything for that to that thing he will he only does 30 seconds yeah and the big thing of his character is timing and every time something doesn't work out right timing wise ends up screwing him and is what ends up eventually getting killed at the end everything because there's one point at the very beginning where they kill the cops uh hostages for the armored car they're not supposed to do that but the guy they hired ended up doing it because he didn't like what he was reaching for his gun he wasn't reaching for his gun we know he wasn't but he shot him anyway so they were to take him out and kill him but because of the bad timing a cop car was coming by and was called on another call <laughs> that ended up not having anything to do with them. But while they were distracted, the guy got away and he caused most of the problems that they <laughs> suffered for the rest of the movie. It's timing, bad timing. And I guess if I'm going to pick a highlight of the movie is just how I like how meticulous everything is. Everything seems to be connected in a very specific way. Like I said, with he was talking about sound before with colors, with the angles, with the acting, with the characters, with the story. And for a three-hour movie to do that is quite insane. Especially, like I said, when you get to the end and you get to that final shot, it's worth it. It's worth it. And for people that will say this is the height of his of his filmmaking career, when I read that list out to you, it's like I, I found this pretty comparable with Collateral. Like, hmm. he was still going at high-level work. Yeah. And he seemingly brings the best out in his actor. So it's like, I'm not going to say anything bad about that. It's like, this is mm-hmm. a truly an amazing film. Yeah. To the point where, I, as we go into the low points of the film, the low lights of the film, is that maybe there was too many characters? I don't know. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm grasping at straws mm. here. Because it's... even though there were so many characters, each had a point to the story. There's which nothing. which makes more like I said before makes sense in the context that this was going to be would have been a TV series is what he wanted it to be. Which is also saying something again because it's a three hour movie that you have that many characters and they all have something. Even if they're there for a minute, like uh, McKelty, uh, I forgot his last name, but when yeah. they brought him in, they literally int- gave you his entire arc and the thing that he's a newly newly released convict. He knows De Niro's character. Um, the uh, mm-hmm. The restaurant they're at takes takes advantage of their workers, yep. and when given a chance to get back into the game, he just he takes thirty seconds and just walks straight out and says, "You know what? I'd rather take the risk." Yeah, and he ultimately dies for it. But you said yeah. everything about his character in that and thirty seconds. And you can also put it this way too, which says a lot about the movie itself. He didn't have to do any of that if he no. didn't want to. He could have just had the guy just like, Up here. "Hey, you want to do this? Okay," and that's it. But he did. It could have just been one of those cases of like, "Ah, Trejo's betrayed us." Yeah. Uh. 
I know a guy. And then it's like, okay, yeah. next scene, he's there. But no, it's I like, it's like, hey, man, you, you still in the game? No, I just got... It's like, okay, yeah. You yeah. want in? Which gives, like I said, a kind of a purpose in timing and connection, which is another thing, like I said, with timing. He made the, the time. He was there exactly when he needed to be there. And Tom Sizemore's character, or if you watch him, it's like you realize that some... Actually, he explicitly says it. He, yeah. he just comes out and says that he does it for the thrill. He's like, yeah, he has his set for life because he's found a, somebody that loves him, money, that's yada, yada, yada. But for him, it's the thrill. He could have Which also away. is... Yeah, and he, he could have walked away, which ultimately led to his downfall. Yep. And in a scene where which you can debate whether or not he was holding the kid hostage, it looked more like he was trying to protect her from the cops. Hmm. We don't know. We don't know. He didn't say anything when he does it. Because he was it's holding not. her behind him the entire time, not in front of him like a shield. Yeah. It's, like, it's hard to tell in, in the midst of chaos. Which, like I said, every single so, thing... So, if mine is just that there was too many threads might have been my grasping at straws type of low light, what's your grasping at straws? Um, well, for heat, if I'm going to say anything, I guess it would probably be maybe some of the... Uh, camera lenses are kind of dated, but I can't really criticize the film because you can't really criticize the camera lenses for not, being dated. He could not have controlled that. That's just the technology of the time. It's like criticizing a black and white movie for being black and white. I can't do that. Um, but aside from that, I I can't really. I don't really have any low lights in this movie. I just like everything about it. So Randy gives it a five out of five. It's an amazing film. Everybody should watch it. I kind of dread going back to the canon direct uh, <laughs> at the end of the road uh, because we watched a movie that will probably not be surpassed in everything else we've watched. Probably not. I'm also going to give it a five. As I said, this is a movie, uh, it's one of my favorites. It's uh, stuck in my mind for a long time and I want a chance to watch it again and I'm glad I did because it was definitely worth it. And if you like crime movies, you like dramas, you like cop movies, you like any combination of those things and you haven't seen it, Find yourself three hours of time and watch it, because you'll like it. I'll and also, a bonus for you, that also means that I give Collateral, my only other Michael Mann movie I've seen, a five, because I've said that they're comparable. They're, they're very comparable. He's like, yeah, I'd give it a four or five, yeah. They are, they are very comparable. Uh, he was very good at this type of uh, film, and I think this is probably, like I said, if anybody's going to remember him, because everybody has this vision of a director, when you think of the director, you think of this movie. For Michael Mann, it's going to be Heat. It just, it has everything he's ever done in it. Just like when That's I think of Sam Furstenberg, I think of uh, Ninja 3, The Domination. Everybody has that. And when, I, and when I think of Golan, I think of The Apple. <laughs> oh, The Apple. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, this... And when I think Neil Berger, I think The Illusionist. <laughs> but this, this, is a this is definitely a movie to watch if you have not seen it. And it's a good summer movie to watch as well. So, with that said, that's pretty much it for our summer movies. We're uh, heading back in to... We're coming off that interstate and heading back onto the main Canon Highway of Canon Cruising Films. Yeah. Uh, though, a little housekeeping before we leave today. Mm -hmm. There will be a two-week hiatus in which we release nothing. <laughs> nothing. You'll like nothing, it. and you'll <laughs> like it. Uh, and that's because of the heat wave um, yeah. pushed us off our recording schedule like he is coming in hot i think this movie is going to literally go up a week after we finish well we'll see, we'll um, see. We'll look at the so schedule. so in order to get some of our backlog back again we need about two weeks yeah yeah like i said it's a bit a bit uh, tough but um we still got more movies to go and we'll keep doing them so until then uh, we'll see you next time when we continue our cruise through the canon catalog
See you later, everybody. Goodbye. I want full surveillance, 24 hours, round the clock. We never close open seven days a week. Assume they got our phones. Assume they got our houses. Assume they got us. Bam. Bye-bye. They get more daring with every score. What's the estimate? 12.2 million. You're up. But one cop. He's here. I can feel it. Is closing in. Whatever score they're going to take next, they're going to have the surprise of a lifetime. Now, for the first time, Academy Award winner Al Pacino and Academy Award winner Robert De Niro collide. If I'm there and I gotta put you away, I'll tell you, you are going down. What if you do got me boxed in and I gotta put you down? Because no matter what, you will not get in my way. I will not hesitate for a second. Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, Val Kilmer in a Michael Mann film. Heat.